Jason Attu, President and CEO of Liberty Gold, and we're focused on oxide heat leash opportunities in the Great Basin of the United States. Jason, good to see you. Thanks for coming over. Busy over there at the conference. It's very busy, yes. Yeah. And what, what sort of people are rocking up and who, who are you trying to see? I'm, I'm, what we're trying to do is basically meet with uh, all of our investors. Right. Uh, so we've got really good investor compliments of, you know, these are the long-term sticky gold investors. Yeah. Um, and so no, it's, it's been a good conference just in terms of, obviously, we got to sit um, down with, with individuals and talk about, you know, the prospects of our company and where we're going forward and the overall macro environment of the, the, the gold sector as a whole, which has not been fantastic. It's it has been a been. very, very difficult well, it's two years, cyclical. Right? It's been three years now. Right. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's, it's long, deep, heavy, hard work. And if you're talking to new investors, you're saying, what about gold? Get in now. It's cheap. Yeah. Is that the message? Well, I think it has to be the message. Although I would still say the commodity, the gold commodity has actually been very resilient um, through what could arguably could be a lot of headwinds associated with it. Um, specifically the U.S. dollar strength, because there's a very strong correlation between the two. But the gold equities in particular, because it's such a risk-off market right now, gold equities have really, really underperformed. Most of the companies that are here that are in the development or exploration stage, they're all trading from a net asset value perspective anywhere between 10 and 20% of their fundamental value. So it's been very, very challenging. Um, but the business is cyclical. And, right. Um, well, you got to hope. you got to hope it is. So equities disconnected from reality, it, it seems, of, of the gold price. Um, when's it going to change? I must have a view. Well, if I, if I was a prognosticator, when things do change in the gold equity side, I, I mean, I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you because you're sitting somewhere on a, on a beach just reveling. It's um, like it's a it's a fantastic dynamic business industry. I think what I said earlier, um, really the big catalyst in, in my mind has to do with the U.S. dollar strength and uh, the debasement of the U.S. dollar set. You know, again, don't know exactly what, when it's going to happen, but clearly the tightening cycle with the Fed when they do pivot, whether it's 2024 or beyond, that's when you're going to see a real, real pickup um, with the commodity in, in particular. And it all will start, in, in my estimation, with the large senior producers. And so the senior producers now at the gold price are for generating exceptionally good free cash flow yields. Um, it is a very risky business too. So as I said, this is a very risk off, off environment. We'll start to see some of the capital flows back into the producers first, and then it will trickle down to companies like Liberty Gold, who have who've got some of the best prospects and will fill in the pipelines, arguably, of um, some of the seniors when they do just start to start to do M&A. Right. And, and obviously moments like this, it's tough for everyone acro across the board. And it almost feels like gold equities have had it, you know, quite good for quite a long time. But does this kind of market help shake things up a bit? And obviously, for you know, producers and developers yeah. like yourselves, yeah. um, do you come out the other side stronger? Look, I, I think it has been. We were talking about it earlier. I think it's been 36 months now where the gold equities have really lagged behind the commodities and. You know, the industry as a whole has had a bad reputation and some rightly justified around capital allocation. I do think a lot of the, and it, again, it starts with this, the, the, the seniors. I do think that from a capital allocation perspective, most CEOs, CFOs, C-suites, all, all the way down to the operators are making all the right decisions as it relates to the capital allocation of their business. But the fact of the matter in the, the gold industry, every day that you're producing successful, profitably, and safely, 
you're depleting your asset base. So that does have to replenish at some point. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's all about proper cal capital allocation. Um, when things are with, with unbridled enthusiasm, again, the sector has been very guilty of, of going out and, and making very, very poor capital allocation decisions. So as I said, hopefully there's been some religion found people do actually make some good returns I'm talking the investors and the shareholders through this period. Um, and there's the dis discipline that I talked about as we go forward and hopefully we see a much more constructive goal tape. Right. And obviously you've got producers, whether it be, you know, the, the, the big boys or some of the mid tiers must be looking around the market and licking their lips yes. at some of the development stories, which are, as you said, right at the outset, super undervalued yes. on, on any metric. Yes. Super undervalued. You've got to make yourself defensible. Yeah. Because you don't want to sell out at these prices, do you? Hey, no, you absolutely don't. Right. Um, That's hard. Well, the first thing I would say is there's not a lot of companies in that producing, again, intermediates that actually have a license to do deals based on the history of some of the poor decisions that they made, but some that do and have executed very well. There's no question there's they can be opportunistic in this market. So for a company like Liberty Gold, what we obviously wanted, we don't want to transact down at these levels, but at the end of the day, you know, the management and shareholders, or sorry, the management of uh, and insiders of Liberty only own 5% of the company. So it was very, very difficult not to present an offer that's a, a, a significant premium to where we are, not to shareholders. That arguably from my perspective is my biggest fear that we actually receive something but um, what, what I think for companies like Liberty need, need to do is with the quality assets that we do have is have as many quality, credible counterparties that are up the curve on our assets that if we do get put in play, there's some competitive tension. Right. Essential. Essential. Otherwise, you've got no leverage. Exactly. So, right. so let's talk about some of the things that you are doing um, in, you know, in, in Utah and Idaho. Um, and um, maybe gives a sense of where you think the best allocation of your capital yeah. is. So, so is that great? Because we on Monday, which is three days ago now, we actually announced a very small financing with a strategic yeah. partner of Wheat and Precious Metals. They're, they're the, the, one of the major um, uh, royalty streaming companies. So we've got an, a, an anchor order. We're raising another 700000 through existing investors, myself, uh, management and directors for a total of 5.7, which will close this Friday. But what that does for us, again, we're talking about capital allocation, what that does for us, it actually gets us to the biggest catalyst for this company and that and we got actually put out an economic study, a pre-feasibility study for the, the Black Pine project, which is our flagship asset in uh, Idaho. What that concurrently does is when we actually do put an economic study out, we can actually file what's called a mine plan of operation to really start the permitting process um, because that can be time-consuming um, uh, in, in the U.S. in particular, and even know that there's a mandate now by the time you actually get put in what's called a notice of intent to the record of decision is 24 months, we do have to start that, that clock. So from an allocation of capital perspective, we raised a small amount of capital. Um, our, our treasury last uh, June 30th, we had 10.9 million. So you add the five, we have been, we've got four drills in the field right now. So we have been burning a little bit of, of capital but what we need to do now from an allocation perspective, given this season, the 2023 drill season, is, is all about the study. It's all about, you know, as I said, the biggest catalyst for the company, demonstrating the economics, demonstrating we actually have a mine at, at Black Pine and, and, are, and getting into the permitting process because it's a 24 to 36 six month process. 
Um, and so we, that's the way we're, we're de-risking using our capital to de-risk. Right. If the market comes back, we'd love to have more capital to, to drill out and, 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 and drill our, our, our properties, including our other property at, in, in, in Utah. But for us, um, all the drilling and the work that we've done in the 2023 program, our, our, our goal is to get over 3 million ounces indicated that will again feed into the pre-feasibility economic study that um, will demonstrate this is a mine. Right, and I, I guess the other aspect to that particular um, transaction yes. is the endorsement by Wheaton That's themselves, because they don't casually hand out money, no. but they have to do a lot of work. So, and we, we spoke to Randy at the beginning, beginning of yes. the year, so we've got a sense of the kind of profile of the companies and the deals that they want to want to look at. So how long was that process for you? So it, again, it's um, what, where, where we started is we obviously purchased a royalty and then essentially resold that royalty to Wheat and Precious. That's what they, they got out of it. And again, the, the asset package, the Black Pine asset that we have is a very large, going to be a long life mine. Mm-hmm. And, and so the vendor that we, we dealt with took some time to negotiate. Um, and ironically, we put our resource out in February of, of, of this past year that demonstrated 3.1 million in, or in mineral and, uh, and an overall resource, which that vendor did see. And so some negotiation that had to have to happen because um, we purchased the royalty for 3.5. That wasn't the starting price where, where that group started at, much, much, much higher. Um, but in the same respect, when we purchased 3.5 we basically then resold it to Wheaton um, and this is a 50 basis point royalty so it's not a huge encumbrance on, on the asset and what we did do which we thought was a smart thing is Wheaton also granted us an option to buy back half of that so it's 25 basis points to have an overall royalty interest of 25 basis points as the mine going forward for the same implied value that um, we, we purchased and, and, then, and then resold to, to Wheaton as of what we announced on Monday. So um, again, I think it was a creative deal for capital that we did need a good endorsement. We consider the Wheaton Group as a great partnership now um, and we'll be working with them as one of our, our most important in, investors go forward and a potential financier when we go to actually uh, put the capital together to construct and build black pine. Okay, so that's black pine, that's a catalyst. Should we talk oxides? Sure. That, what's happening down there? In in Utah oh. or, yeah, so again, most of the capital that I talked about in our work program is is was focused on the black pine asset in Idaho. We do have another asset in, in Utah. So again, both of these assets are past producing oxide heat bleach run of mine assets, so very technically straightforward low capital intensity. We haven't spent any real money because we're being very prudent with our capital in the Utah asset with the exception we've done a hydrological survey to understand where the water will be sourced for that operation. In addition, what's gone on is there's a proposal um, between the BLM and what's called CITLA, which is a schools trust of Utah, uh, to do a land swap. And effectively, we're part of that. We're piggybacking on the, the process, and it all all revolves around a national mo- monument called Bears Bears Ear National Monument, which effectively would swap some of the Sitla land that resides within that national monument, swapping it out with the BLM land that we have at our Gold Strike asset. But the meaning would be, um, if and when, and it's got congressional committee approvals now at the Senate, if that does get approval, what that implication for Liberty Gold is, mm-hmm. we wouldn't need to go through a federal 
permitting process. It would stay within the state of Utah. Yep. And so that basically halves the time. You still have to obviously prove up to the, all the right things in terms of the environmental impact. But the, 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 the overall time frame to get a permit is about half the time frame if you go through the federal process. So we're obviously watching what what is what is going on there is something that this management can't control, mm-hmm. but it could be a real big game changer for the company because I mean the gold strike assets it has an economic study on it, but the economic study was done in 2018, so that will need be, to be refreshed because it is certainly dated, and it's not as big as Black Pine. And what the economic study demonstrated is a seven to eight year mine life, 75,000 ounces per year. Um, Black Pine is. From what we're seeing right now, conceptually, um, based on the 3.1 million ounces we have, is at least a 15 to 17 year mine life. Um, in an average annual throughput of about 190,000 ounces, it gets beyond 200,000 some years. Some years that we're trying to smooth that out as well. So it's not the same scale, we would argue, but the difference is the, t- the timing to actually get to production. Um, Gold Strike would essentially move in front of, of Black Pine. That wasn't kind of our initial assumption if this land swap goes forward. So we're obviously very in, in keen in seeing the development there. Um, and and so the, that's really the the only, we're, we're not spending really any capital on the gold strike asset unless and until we actually see this this this, this move forward. Right, and, and, and talking talking of which, you, you're talking the game of staying in control of the things that you can. Right. You've got the capital to do that. Yes. Which, which is handy, gives you optionality. Yeah, in terms of, De- de- defining how quickly things are, yeah. how quickly spend that money, but the market is not working for anyone at, at the moment, right? We, we, I think we've established that. Yes. Um, why do you think it's important to kind of move things forward and not just kind of like hunker down during this period? For for us, I mean, that could be an option for a lot of either our peers or some of the smaller exploration co's, but for us, we've been an exploration company now for six years. We need to evolve the company We've got, again, the scale at Black Pine of over 3 million ounces. We, we, we need to also get, as I said, into the permit. That's the biggest catalyst for the company is an economic study plus actually getting the project into the permitting process, the Federal uh, Environmental Protection Act, the NEPA process. So, so we, we, we do need that. But, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. If you think about from a capital allocation perspective, Right now, most of the companies, including ourselves, I mean, we, between the two projects, the oxide heap leap projects, our endowment's 4.3 million ounces. What we're being valued at on a dollar per ounce is somewhere around 10 to $11 per ounce. We can't find gold and we've, we're in past producing camps. Our, our cost to discover is about $16 an ounce. So it just shows you if this continues, I mean, we're, we're actually destroying value and from a capital allocation, we shouldn't be drilling. Mm. Um, and so to, to your point, I, I mean, there are very likely a lot of discussions going on in, in boards and boardrooms, whether you just shut everything down and hunker down until you see a more receptive market that values these assets appropriately. Well, absolutely. I mean, because you talk about, you're using the word capitalist, and I think, you know, historically when you use the word capitalist, it refers to an expected change in share price appreciation. Yeah. Uh, it's not happening. So that's why yeah. now when it's people people talking about, well, we're going to do this momentous event, this yeah. next catalyst, this whatever, they know the market's not going to value it. Yeah. So to a you know, larger or less degree, you kind of maybe just shrug the shoulders and go, why do I even bother? <laughs> well, we're, we're in it for the long game. And as I said, for us, it's very, the most consequential uh, things we, we can do is de-risk 
the black pine. And so we do need to get in the permitting process. Right. Because that does take years, um, yeah. at, at least a couple of years. And, and so can't imagine this market's going to be, you know, from a macro perspective and, you know, this challenging, if you think yeah. two, three years, and if it is, there's going to be a lot of blood in the street. Um, yeah. I think the interesting thing you said earlier was about the fact that obviously these, these majors yes. producers are going to have to backfill yes, because they're depleting their own reserves and resources and themselves. Uh, do you think at that point, because very, because this shakeout that's happening, right? There's some good assets out there, good development assets out there, which are not making any progress because they can't yeah. get capital or if they feel that if they do take capital, it's super, super expensive and they're going to get burnt yeah. some way. Do you feel there's going to be a kind of premium in terms of that competitive tension discussion for more advanced projects for some of these you know, majors? Are they going to view the near terminology yeah. of it? I think it's honestly, but I think it's case by case. Yeah. It really will depend on jurisdictions for one. It really depend on the seniors and intermediates pipelines. Some of them have very good organic pipelines. Some do not. Um, and some have a certain skill set around certain types of, of mines and how processing and some of the technical acumen that's required and, mm. and, and, and others do not. So I think it's definitely on a case by case basis. But what I've typically seen being 30 years in the business um, it, it's very, very challenging to do if you're, even if you're a senior or intermediate to do, and there's, as I said before, there's very few companies that have a license to do deals. And it's a lot of this is driven by sentiment. And so the sentiment is not good in the sector right now, but as soon as we see a change in sentiment, all the boards of the various producing companies are going to be asking, well, what's the next stage of growth here? How are we filling in our pipeline? But you do need some momentum. You do need some positive sentiment. With the exception, as I said, with a few companies that do have a license to do transactions down here. But I think I think that that's kind of certainly true of the last thirty years or so. But yeah. I think remember, gold gold price is pretty darn good at the moment, yes. right? Yeah. So in terms of that discussion at board levels, yeah, at board level, at those producers, wouldn't you wouldn't you be thinking, listen, I'm going to get cheaper than this? Surely, look at the gold price because yeah. what we want is producing ounces. Because we're selling it at quite an attractive rate at the moment. So I, I'm trying to make sense of the gold market. Yeah. Okay? Normal rules, as a banker, normal rules, I would have had a whole set of um, things that would happen. I know what I would I could do. If this yeah. happens, I can do A. If this happens, I can pick yeah. It doesn't follow those rules anymore. Yeah. And I think, do, do people need to kind of rethink the way we view gold yeah. and gold mining? Like, I, the, I think the gold mining business and I worked for a producer for a number of years. It's a damn hard business. There's things that operationally can go. So it's it's requires some really good operational expertise and excellence that I came in. Um, so that that would be kind of the the, fir the first point. And um, and and so the other thing that I would say is again the the companies that are even though we've got a pretty robust gold market, we're still they're still facing a lot of inflation. So their costs have not abated. Um, and so the margins that I talked about earlier, even though they're, they're getting good free cash flow yields, when the inflation starts to temper and that's already started to happen, mm -hmm. those, those margins should hopefully expand, which will create some of the momentum, mm -hmm. as I said. So it becomes a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, but the gold markets have got a great, great future. There's, there's no question ab about that. There's very few discoveries being made. Um, again, the, from the seniors to the intermediates, they do have to replenish their, their pipelines. And, and if they don't have a lot of organic 
um, uh, the properties and projects in, in, in house already. They, they have to, and we're seeing that we're, we're seeing engagement with seniors mm. and intermediates on with companies like Liberty. Yeah. Well, look, appreciate the update. All right. Good luck with the rest of the conference. Thank you very much. I know you're pretty stacked with meetings and yeah. so forth. Always happy to do this, Matt. Good man. Good man. Matt. See you soon. Good stuff. Yes.